0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. And and so today I want to talk about parenting. Um, And I recognize when we bring up the topic of parenting, we are, in this room, we're coming from a whole bunch of different perspectives or a whole bunch of different places. Some of us have kids who are all grown up. Some of us have kids who are, Uh, coming up in high school or younger kids in elementary school. Some of us have wee little ones. Some of us have uh, babies on the way. Some of us have zero interest in ever having kids. Um, And some of us would love kids and um, don't have them yet. Um, So for wherever wherever you're coming from this morning, I want to create a safe space that we can talk about parenting and understand parenting isn't Something that's given to God, uh, given by God to us, just for our kids. But it's um, it's sort of an overarching. How can we, as God's people, raise up kids? So as you're thinking about your own kids, I don't think it's ever too late uh, to to dig deeper into God's word and say, how can I how can I become a better parent? If there's stuff that we've missed along the way, and there's always stuff that we've missed along the way, it doesn't have to be. A shame time, it can be like, okay, I can take this and I can start to apply this now. Uh, if you don't have kids, I think this is still an opportunity to say, "What kind of parent would I want to be in the future? or there are, there are oodles of kids around me, and I can use some of these things to pour into kids now um, and should I become a parent, or maybe if I never do, I can still put these things into practice so that's that's my goal today. Is I want to dig into uh, a little nugget in Scripture that I think um, I, I think we're susceptible to misreading a lot. Um, so let's pray and then we'll dig in. Father, when it comes to parenting, um. there are so many emotions that come along with it. Um. There's awe and there's wonder. And there's excitement and there's joy, uh, but there can also be great, great grief. Um, And we pray that you be here today as we dig in, as we seek to learn from you. We pray that you would make us the kind of men and women um, who look at these little kids who you created, who you love, and we do a good job. Help us to find our identity in you as your children, and then to parent these little kiddos well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, A number of years ago, Leslie and I took a trip to Haiti. Uh, It was a mission trip with a a team from our church, and we spent the week um, kind of at an orphanage playing. I love soccer, and so I found my niche just playing soccer with a lot of the little kids. At one point, I I distinctly remember having a conversation with one of our teammates, Um, and he's a young married guy, um, they had the core of their family, but they didn't have any additions yet. And they were hoping for kids someday. And he sat down with me, and he, he asked me the question, do kids cost a lot? <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh, a lot. Well, let's have a talk. And you know, Where do I start? Like, diapers alone could almost demand a second job. Um, but there's all kinds of expenses with kids when you talk about... Um, what they need and what you have to add to your house and uh, um, the figures are astronomical of what it costs to raise a kid up until the point that they're 18 should they leave your house when they're 18 Um, and if not then it's all like extra on top of that but that's just financial there's all kinds of other costs like the cost of some of those explosions that they're able to make at a very young age uh, in their diaper is like oh do you want to take that or am I going to man up and uh, plug my nose and go for it. Um, there's, there's all kinds of costs. But then I'm able to look at them and say, kids are an enormous cost. But kids also bring with them incredible joy. That you, that you get the joy and privilege of being their dad or their mom. That you get the joy and privilege of being able to look at them in wonder at how God made them you get to walk with them through their growing up years is a privilege and a joy like no other. And another guy who was there from a different team heard us talking and he piped in. And he was an older dude. Um, He said, from a parent who has been through 20 plus years, he said, while the potential for joy is great, children bring with them the potential for the greatest anguish in a parent's life. Watch them go down roads that they have no business going down. He said, It can rip your heart out. So that this thing called parenting, like deep inside, we know okay, if we get this right, it's so important. Well, during my week in Haiti, I was really questioning my trip, or my, my purpose on the trip, my reason on the trip. I knew that I, I had this sense that God was calling me, that He wanted to break my heart for stuff that was going on in the world, that I needed to go and be obedient to that and see what God had. But then, like, we got there, and I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't have a role. I'm not speaking at night. I'm not leading any trainings. I have a soccer ball, and I can play, and um, between soccer and then just, like, holding kids and hugging kids through the week, I found, like, That was my role. That was my purpose for the week. And so I had this battle going on in my head where I'm like, man, I want to do something big. I want to be important. I want to do something that is significant. And God said, holding kids is significant. Like, taking care of the kids is significant. And I was only there a week, so it's not like I took care of anybody. But for the week, I think God used that in me to teach me a lesson. Like, I remember talking to a friend one time who had these great aspirational goals of like going off and living for God and doing something incredible in Africa and he wasn't settled where he was and he he had three kids, three young kids and um, I remember having the sense that he was looking beyond them to what God had called him to do and Haiti was a reminder to me that sometimes, sometimes, God calls us to those big things. But we shouldn't miss the little things that are right in front of us. I don't think that we should walk around with an understanding that um, what we would understand as big is the same thing that God sees. We would say, I want to do something amazing. God might say, I start with your kids. Uh, start there. So in my if I have a big idea this morning, my big idea, the main idea would be that it is, it's both our joy and our privilege as parents to discover how God has knit together our kids and to train them in that way. It's both our privilege and it's our responsibility to discover how God has knit together our, our kids and to train them in that way. Proverbs 22.6 is where we're going to camp out this morning. If you have a Bible and you want to read this, it's just a quick little verse tucked into the Old Testament, and it's a gem, and so many parents um, take it, and they hold it out as a promise, and we're going to to open it up. So Proverbs 22.6, in the English Standard Version, reads, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. He will not depart from it. But again, it's tucked in this book of Proverbs, which is this beautiful book, and a lot of people misunderstand Proverbs to say Proverbs are promises, and Proverbs aren't promises. It's not, do this, and this will happen. Unless it's specifically talking about the character of God, then it's always true forever and ever. Usually, Proverbs, though, are what we might call truisms, that generally speaking, this is wisdom. Generally speaking, if you do this, this will follow. That doesn't mean always and forever. That doesn't mean it's a guarantee or it's a promise, and if you do your part, somehow God is obligated to do his. Somehow, this is a a deal that you broker with God that says, hey, I'm going to bring my stuff to the table as long as you do yours. Uh, and what can, the nasty part that can turn out is that when this doesn't happen just according to the way we want it, we get bitter with God. And we, we start to fight with God about, like, why aren't you doing your job? But he doesn't, he doesn't intend this as a promise. He wants to help us be wise, and he wants to help us get better um, in this role as parents. So this is our privilege and our responsibility. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Sometimes I think if we take this privilege, if we take this responsi- responsibility, and if we take this verse seriously, we can get really overwhelmed with the task of parenting. Train up a child in the way he should go. Uh, Charles Swindoll in his book The Strong Family says we misread it as be sure your child is in Sunday school and church at an early age. Te- teach him a lot of Bible verses and hymns. Make sure he learns the Ten Commandments, a few prayers to be used at mealtimes, at bedtime, and in case of emergency. If possible, send him to a Christian school, see that he attends a Christian's camp each summer, and enforce your rules and regulations with unbending strictness. And we fear... And if I don't do one of those things, or if I mess up as a parent, I will ruin my child. I think a lot of parents, especially young parents, live in fear that they're, they're juggling all the different pieces of parenting. And if their awareness misses a beat, the whole thing is going to come crashing down. So let's do an awareness test. How how aware are you as a parent? This video came out a number of years ago. Some of you have probably seen it, um, but Matt, can we run this? This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white? The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? Can you guys even see that? Is that visible? Can we turn this off? Is there a light switch? Let's try it again, because it actually, you can see it. Anybody get 13? Cool. Let's try it one more time. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? Oh. You guys see him that time? So um, I love that video. I I didn't get it the first time. I Man, I didn't catch him the first time. I was like, what? Nah, he wasn't even in the first one. That's a trick. Uh, and you go back and watch it, and he's totally there. So like, as parents, sometimes I think we get so focused, being aware on the things that we think matter, the things that we think are important, and we miss we miss something that's right in front of us. We miss a moonwalking bear. So we get busy doing all kinds of stuff our kid actually comes down in a costume maybe as a bear and we we push him off a little bit cuz like i've i've got this stuff to do they are trying to read a book our kid comes up and wants to talk to us and is like oh leslie got up this week early she made it an intentional effort to get up super early so she could have some like set time with god and you know what happens when you make time is the kids wake up early. And so they get up, and it's like, it's so frustrating. And I, I want to do this important thing. And sometimes God just kind of brings it back again and again and again. And saying, this is the important thing. This is the moonwalking bear. So Steve is Curtis Chapman nailed it. Uh, a bunch of years ago when he wrote his song Cinderella and it came out of a similar experience he said he was uh, he had a lot of stuff to do he was going to put the kids to bed and then he he had a bunch of stuff to work on that night and he talks about being grumpy with the kids and he, he actually refused that night to read him a story like just go to bed and I can't believe what a bad daddy is for being like that <laughs> <laughs> but he, he says he remembers closing the door and feeling God pierce him Like, go read a book. Don't miss it. And so he writes this song, the lyrics to the song. She spins and she sways to whatever song plays without a care in the world. And I'm sitting here wearing wearing the weight of the world on my shoulders. It's been a long day, and there's still work to do. And she's pulling at me saying, Dad, I need you. There's a ball at the castle, and I've been invited, and I need to practice my dancing. Please, Daddy, please. So I will dance with Cinderella while she's here in my arms, because I know something the prince never knew. All too soon the clock will strike midnight, and she'll be gone. And like the story of the song takes on an even more overwhelming meaning when you know that shortly after releasing the song, uh, he lost his daughter; that she was killed in a family car accident in the driveway. So that even more comes to life. Yeah, I'm not going to miss it. I'm just, I'm going to take, I'm going to take what God gives me as a dad. Take what God gives us as parents and dance. Do the silly things. Do the things that make you look or feel like a fool. I, all the time, I taunt my kids that I'm going to walk into their class and sing in front of their classmates. And one time I did it, and it was so fun to watch Elena freak out and scramble up and like, not st- do not But I could see that she loved it at the same time. Now, she's not in middle school yet, so um, I probably won't do it then. But I'm going to dance with Cinderella. I've got two of them. And I, I want, as a parent, to always be looking for the moonwalking bear. Always be saying, God, I invite you to interrupt me. And I want my kids to have the ability to interrupt me. And I hope, uh, I know I'm going to fail, but I hope more times than not, I allow the interruptions and I I respond well to them because it's what's important. So back to Proverbs 22.6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old, he will not turn from it. He will not depart from it. And I want to break it down into two different pieces this morning. So there's the train up a child in the way he should go, or train up a child and then in the way he should go. Those are the two pieces that I want to focus on. And then it says, when he's old, he won't, he won't depart from that. He'll, like, he'll live according to that way. So train up a child and in the way he should go. And I'm going to flip-flop, and I'm going to talk about the second part first. So, in the way he should go, and I would say this is discover, discover the way God has knit together your kids. So, in your Bible, you might look in the margin, and if your Bible has little notes, you might see that this phrase, in the way he should go, might literally be read according to his way. Well, I don't think it means according to his way, like capital his, God's way, according to God's way. That's, I think, what we often misread. Uh, Train up a child to follow God. And while that's true, I think the verse is getting at something more focused and more specific. Tramp a child according to his way. What does, that, what does that mean? So we absolutely raise up our kids to know God and to be known by God and to love God and be loved by God and to follow God. We absolutely do that. But this says we need to pay attention to the way that God has knit them together. We pay attention to God's way within our child. Our child's way. The makeup of that child. What are his or her unique characteristics and mannerisms that, this is what the Bible is calling his way. Who is our kid? And um, I talked about this one time and somebody actually got up and left and muttered something under their breath like um, postmodern nonsense. And it doesn't mean we don't teach our kids to follow God. But I think that's a quick and easy read of the verse. If we really want to grab everything in there, if we really want to get to the heart of what it's saying, is pay attention to what God is doing in your kids. Pay attention to how God knit your kid together. So this, this word way in, in Hebrew comes from the word, Derek. And the Hebrew word um, Derek is used four times in Proverbs 30 verses 18 and 19 uh, a little bit later. He said there are, there are three things that are too amazing for me and four that I do not understand. And he says the way of an eagle in the sky and the way of a snake on a rock and the way of a ship on high seas and the way of a man with a maiden. He said, take, if we take just a moment to think about these four different examples If you ever notice the way of an eagle, if you ever uh, pay attention to an eagle just soaring, there's something so majestic and so incredible about their way. One time we were up north fishing and uh, you get these little dinky panfish that find their way onto your hooks. And uh, sometimes removing the hook doesn't go so well for the little fish. And so you throw it back out, but he's not gonna make it. And there are eagles on the lake And they start to, like, do their circles. And we actually had, like, 15 feet from our boat, an eagle come down and grab this little fishy and take him up and have a meal. And we're like, can we do that again? (laughs) That was incredible. But the way of an eagle is something that you want to sit and watch again and again. And as much as snakes might creep us out, anybody in here have, like, a snake phobia? Anybody have a pet snake? Nobody? Okay. So snakes can be creepy little critters. Okay? But there's still something amazing to watch a snake move. How do they do that? Or, Or to see it sunning itself on a rock to say it doesn't produce its own heat. It's going to take as much as it can get. And there's a way of a snake that says it knows how it was made. Or even if it doesn't know how it was made, it follows the instructions of how it was created. And it, it does that. And there's something still incredible about it. You look at a ship about an ocean and there's something amazing about uh, how an enormous ship can be steered by this little little rudder. And, and the way that it takes waves and the way that it can bounce over them. You're like, man, that is, there's something about the way of ships that's, that I just want to step back and watch. And then if you ever have seen two people who are in love, you, you might have had a gag reflex or you might have stepped back and said man that is beautiful it's just beautiful the way that they look at each other and like I love weddings for that reason because I'm selfish when I get to do a wedding it's just a great reminder for me as a husband as a married man that say I, I want to I want to look at Leslie the way these two are looking at each other and it's like, I hold Leslie's hand tighter after weddings. There's a way to two people who are in love to say, that's how it's supposed to work. There's a, just nothing like it, being able to watch something operating according to its way. And our kids are like that. God knit our kids them together. He knows them inside and out. Our kids are designed They're not like factory mass-produced things that all are supposed to be cookie-cutter the same. God knit them together. Psalm 139, 13 says, You created me, you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. So this is stitch by stitch. God taking great care in designing and saying, I want you just so. It's not a snap of the fingers, though he, he could do it without thinking. He could do it without effort. The Bible uses this metaphor on purpose because he took great care in each one of us, and he took get great care in each one of our kids, and they need to know how valuable they are in his eyes and in our eyes, that we would have the eyes like God. So our kids don't come out formless, ready to be molded in whatever shape we would have for them. The lesson is don't try to force something in your kid that they're not. Don't try to do that. It's our privilege, it's our responsibility to discover how God knit together our children, how God knit together our children, not how I or how dad or how mom or how grandparents, is how God knit together our kids. So I want to try this. Uh, maybe, maybe use a couple of examples. Can I use a couple of you as examples? Uh, volunteer. Andy, thanks. <laughs> Andy, you like hunting. Okay. Um, did your parents encourage hunting? Yeah. They did. Okay. So it, was it something that you shared with your parents? Yeah. Awesome. Mandy. Um, She's in a nursery. Uh, somebody else? That ruins it because it was like this Andy and Mandy connection. I loved that. <laughs> uh, give me another volunteer. A Dennis. Okay. Like you're into music, right? Yeah. Was that something that your parents encouraged? Yeah. Are you into hunting? No. Yeah. Okay. Are you into music? What if, what if their parents had switched? What if their parents had been dead set on this idea that Dennis was going to be a hunter, darn it, and I'm going to put a gun in your hand at an early age and I'm going to teach you how to hold it and I'm going to teach you the responsibility and you're going to see that sucker and you're going to kill it. <laughs> and like, Dennis, are you anti-hunter? Okay, you just don't do it much. It's not really my thing. Andy, what if Andy's parents had been like, "We want you to sing, Andy we want you to we want you to sing He's like, "Please don't make me, please, please don't make me so I mean just just here you can see uh, even laughing about it to say, "Andy has his way, and Dennis has his way, and there's nothing wrong with hunting, I don't think, and there's nothing wrong with singing it's just that Andy and singing aren't a great match, like in front of a mic. Is that true? I'm not like being brutal on you, am I? It's (laughs) totally true for me. And uh, Dennis and hunting, not a great fit. Okay, so if we as parents have this agenda that we say, my kid is going to do this, we could miss the bear. We could miss what's right in front of us. I grew up playing soccer. If I had said, my kids are going to be star soccer players, it's like I live through them and I get to experience even greater trophies than I ever could because my kids can do it. But if they're not wired for it or if they're just awkward, it doesn't work. And then I get frustrated with them. And and this whole thing is like I'm not... I'm not paying attention to the way God knit them together. I want to pay attention to the way God knit my kids together. How did God knit together your kids? Have you discovered what makes them tick? Have you discovered what gets them fired up? What uh, is, is their deal? Did they get fired up about sports? or about reading, or about drama, or about being by themselves to think and create? Do they get excited about being with other people? Do they take control? Do they get excited about helping? Do they get excited? Lucy will come up and be like, can I help wash dishes? And there are times where I say, no, I'm just going to do it. Because I I just want to get it done. And it's a bare missing opportunity. Right? Because maybe there's something in her that God is saying, he's making her a helper. He's making her to to see needs and meet them. And I want to encourage that in her. Elena reads voraciously, voraciously. I'm not a reader. <laughs> she just she eats books up and every month they're like, okay, I have a thousand minutes of reading and she gets this special thing at school. I'm like, I never did that. I read later on in life, but man, as a kid, I was like, let me go play. But I want to encourage that in Elena and not force it on Lucy. Like, if if she's not really into the books as much, I don't want to say, you just be like your sister. How devastating could that be? Ken Canfield tells the story. uh, He's got a book called The Seven Secrets of Effective Fathers. He talks about Robert, who grew up in a small Midwestern town there was a special tradition on the high school football team. He said before the seniors played their final home game, each boy's father would come to the center and take the microphone and announce his son's name, his son's number, and his son's position on the team. It was a tradition. And so the boys started to look forward to this. Dad is coming. Dad's going to announce me in front of Everybody except Robert wasn't big or extremely quick. He didn't get much playing time. And the game came, and the dad started coming up. And dad's son, or dad, dad gets up to the mic. He says, uh, "My son's name is Robbie Harmon, and his number is 22. And he plays. I think he plays halfback." And you can feel his son wither. Canfield writes, on the field, number 22 felt like someone had just stuck a knife in his stomach. It's obvious that uh, his dad wasn't paying attention to who he was. So 50 years later, Robert, this boy Robert, 50 years later, can't tell the story. Without a lump uh, coming up in his throat. So there's there's something about parents being intrusive and forcing forcing ways on their kids that they are not knit together for. There's something also about being an unaware parent. Just saying, like I'm not even paying attention. Robbie's dad probably wanted the best for his son, but he didn't do any work there to discover. His son, or to pay attention to him. So, uh, I love fishing. Uh, I was one of those weird kids where really early in life, I could sit in a boat all day, and it didn't matter if we were catching anything. I just loved, like, casting to see if I could hit a spot, and I was patient, and, like, my dad, not so much. My dad, w- not really into fishing. And yet, he discovered that I was super into it. And so my dad took me fishing. We'd go on spring fishing weekend trips, and we'd go out on Saturday on Lake Winnebago and Fond du Lac in a little rowboat with a motor, and we'd go trolling. He ordered a subscription to In Fisher Magazine, and he got books on fishing, on how to catch bass and walleye, and he read the books. And then he, he would take me out, and I was just content to, like, put a bobber out there and like slip bobbers were the coolest thing in the world. But that's what I wanted to do and my dad said, then let's do it. I mean, I was such, I was such so much into it that I remember coming home from church on Sunday and turning on Babe Winkleman on TV because I just wanted to see this dude with cool hair catch enormous fish and I could live through that and that was my adventure. And my dad recognized that in me and while it wasn't his deal, he said, I'm going to make it my deal. Because it's my son's deal. And I love that. You know what kind of relationship I have with my dad? It's tight. It's tight. And I would attribute it, um, most of it, to the way he poured himself out for me. The way that he took time to get to know me. The way that he would say, so let's do it and try different things and things that hit. We're going to go on things that don't hit. We'll, we'll let them pass by. One of, the, one of the best things I think you can do with kids is play 20 questions. Not in an interrogating kind of way, like you will answer me and I will know you, but <laughs> and I really want to know. I'm really interested. What was the best thing that happened today in your world? What was the best, what's something that happened today that made you smile? What's something today that that hurt. What's something today that made you frustrated? What's something about the way that I treat you that frustrates you? What would what would be a, one change that you could make in me? If I could be a different dad or do something differently, what what would you have? And I want to listen to you. What what do you really enjoy doing? I've been on trips in student ministry where we do this. And my brother who also works in student ministry, he he say like Shannon, sometimes I I'll sit down and I don't tell kids what I'm doing. 20 questions, or we'll talk for 20 minutes, and they don't ask me a single thing about myself, and I just kind of rapid fire, and I want to get to know them as fast as I can. I want to I just sponge them in, and they'll come back later and say, hey, can we do that thing again where you ask me questions? Because <laughs> they want to talk about themselves. They want to be known. They want to know that they matter. So, ask your kids questions. Ask kids questions questions and pay attention to their answers. I I really think that we need to constantly become better students of our kids, better learners of our kids. So pay attention to the way God has knit together your kid. And then the first part, if we could go back, uh, train up a child. Train them according to that way. When you discover how God knit together your kid. You train them in that way, and that's where the verse starts to make more sense. Like, if you teach your kid to know who God made them to be, if you teach your kid, this is how God wired you, and here are some things that I notice, and here's some things that you're really good at, and here's some of the things that you love, and this is a passion for you. If you teach your kid to help them relate with God in the way that God made them, the more they know themselves the more they'll be true to themselves and not lose themselves later on in life. So what do, we, what do we do to train up our kids? If it's our privilege and our responsibility, if it's our joy and our job to discover how God has knit them together, then we've got to start thinking about what does it mean to train them according to that way. Uh, before we get that, we should talk about Credibility. And these two, these two weights on a scale between credibility and authority. God gives us authority as parents. But I think a lot of parents uh, lean way too heavily on authority. And way too often it comes out, and I'm guilty of this too, but way too often it comes out, do it because I said. Because this is how it works in our house. And I don't explain anything. And what happens if I just always rely on authority is I can actually start to live, like, hypocritically. Or I'm not even living the way that I'm telling my kids to live. I'm, I'm raising them to be obedient when I'm actually not being obedient to God. I'm telling them this is the way when they watch me living a different way. And I think if we leaned more on the credibility spectrum... That is to say, I want my kids to see me modeling. I want to be an example to my kids. I want them to look at me and say, when we treat mom with respect, I, I've seen dad treat mom with respect. When we treat other people well, my parents do that. When we are patient with each other, I can see my parents doing that. Do they fail? Are they perfect? They're never. They're not perfect. They fail. But I can see them living out what they're saying. It doesn't mean you never, you never lead with authority. And it. But it does mean, I, I would say, live out what you're saying. Live out what you want your kids to catch. And they will see it from you, and they will learn from that. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, became this... Uh, all the time, over and over and over repeated. They called it the Shema uh, in Jewish culture. They put it on their doorposts and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. These commandments that I give give you today are to be upon your hearts, your hearts. And then it says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols around on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So these commands are to be upon your hearts and then impress them upon our kids. We need to first love and obey Jesus. We need to first recognize that we are children of God and then we have to teach and train our kids how to love and obey Jesus, how to recognize that they are children of God. If we want to teach our kids about love, about forgiveness, about humility, and about service, those are things we need to be doing. Loving your kids by being an example to them, we build up credibility. So Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child. If we have credibility, then we can say, how can I press into my kid's life? And the Hebrew term, train up, comes from uh, this term, like, from the roof of the mouth. And it had, it had two different visuals that, in the day, uh, that I think can r- both relate. And the first one, like the roof of the mouth, they would say to, to train up would be to, uh, to put the bit in the horse's mouth to train the horse, you're going to put something there so that you could direct it, so that you could show it which way to go and move it. And you would, um, with authority, lead the thing. The other had a midwife connection. So when a baby was born, a midwife would take it and um, she'd take her index finger and she'd dip it in a tiny pool of crushed grapes, and then she'd take her finger and she would put it on the roof of the baby's mouth, and it would start uh, the the sucking instinct, and it would, it would it was like it created a thirst in the baby's uh, in the baby, and the baby would start sucking, and they had uh, better chances with attachment than with mom. And so one view to train up, which is valid, is uh, to be authoritative and to direct. Uh, like with a horse, the other is this softer side that says, "Your job to train them up is to create a thirst in their life that we would parent them in such a way that they would they would start to thirst for things we 'd live our our life in a way following God that they would say, "I want that from dad. We would uh, pay attention to the way God knit them together and do things to say, I love that, I love doing that and uh, Mom helped me see that. I want that. We have these two different ideas that can help us inform how we train our kids. There would be times when we have to be much more directive. I don't I don't want to be passive uh, when Micah runs out into the middle of the road. I want to be very directive and it might hurt him. And I'm okay with hurting him with shocking him a little bit, to say, I want you to be safe. I want, I want to protect you. This is not to punish you, but I will discipline you so that it will go better for you. Because if you play out in the street a lot, that's not a good way. I want to I show you a good way. There will be times when we, meet, we need to be directive, and there will be times where we focus on creating first. And this becomes clear when we start to understand that our kids are bent in different ways. Our kids are bent because they're created by God in good ways. But our kids are also bent they've uh, little riffraff sometimes. Then you look at them and you're like, what? What has gotten into you? And the truth is, from before they were born, there's something that is not according to the way God has put us together. That sin gets in and wreaks havoc in lives. In our lives, it's true. And in our kids' lives, it's true. They are little sinners. And we look at them and we say, I don't want you to, I don't want you to grow up thinking that sin is okay. But I always want you to know that you are loved. I don't want you to think that your sin makes you unlovable or that God would look at you and say that's just too much I'm gonna go to the next one we deal with sin we deal it while embracing kids and our kids are are bent in different ways toward good and toward evil individually two of my prized possessions I wish I could show them to you today uh, is a rugby ball I never played rugby but uh, I have a rugby ball and then I have a size one soccer ball um, and they there are two of my prized possessions because the first one came from my uncle. My uncle Jeff played rugby. and I, I went to a game and I would watch him and I loved my uncle Jeff. And he gave me, uh, for a birthday one time, a rugby ball that he had played with and he wrote on it, never be afraid to be different. And I loved that because he gave me permission to be weird. <laughs> he gave me permission to be me. And if I was different, Fine. That's I don't want to be afraid of who I am. And the other is a soccer ball. It's just a size one. Um, I, I was fortunate to have the same soccer coach all the way from um, JV through varsity in high school. Wonderful man. And at the year-end banquet senior year, he gave me a soccer ball, um, and he said, congratulations, you're more than world class. And it was like, this is not... MVP. This is not some great trophy that we won. My coach is speaking to me, my identity, that he had seen something in me and my u- Uncle Jeff saw something in me that they wanted to encourage. They said, we want you to be you and you, you have worth. And I love those, even to today. And they're, they're still in boxes somewhere as we make this transition. But when, once we get into our house, I can't wait to get them out again on a shelf to be reminded over and over and over about what those men spoke into my lives. We can do that. You can do that with kids. If you commit yourself to discovering how God has knit together your kids, we need to tell them when we see things. Especially when our kids are young, we need to help them discover. What does it mean to, to help them develop a thirst for something like, well, let's go try it out. Let's go try things out. And if it doesn't click, if you don't like karate, I'm not going to make you do it you know, forever and ever. Amen. We're going to try instruments. We're going to try dance. We're going to try theater. We're going to try a book. We're going to try all kinds of stuff. We'll see what clicks, really. And we're going to go after it. If they find a the love, then we have helped them develop that. We're actively training them according to their way. When our kids choose sin, then we redirect. But even here, like Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, don't exasperate your kids. Like, don't just scream at them. Henry Cloud tells this story of the time when he was out with his daughter and they were going to be spending the day and he got caught up in a conversation with somebody else and his daughter started freaking out. Like, full-on tantrum and I love how he said he responded to it he said he got down on her level and he looked her right in the eyes and he said what is happening and she says we're supposed to be having our day together and you're not paying attention to me like I love a kid who can be that articulate now in the moment he's able to say good yes you're right and I will do better that still is not a good reason to throw this tantrum. So we can be correcting even while we listen, even while we are paying attention. We don't want to crush our kids' spirit in an attempt to crush their sin, right? We cooperate with the good that we see and we counter the evil, and in doing so, we're training them to be the people that God created them to be. We help them discover themselves. We talk about things. We help them know themselves so that they learn to love themselves as God loves them as he made them. And so they know that we're not just pushing them into a mold that we determine would be best for them. Uh, A while back, I asked a bunch of high school kids uh, this question. I said, what do you wish your parents knew about you? And I want you to hear one of the responses and I hope that it can encourage you because for all of the responses that kids would have to say, I wish, I wish they knew this and this can be painful and I wish they knew that. One of them came back and said, I wish, ho- I wish they knew how much I really do appreciate them. I wish they knew how much I really love them. They, that they could actually grasp the amount. The high school kid who sometimes has never told her mom that has never told her parents that, but will say it. And will have that deep in, that they could actually grasp the amount. I wish my parents would know that. Our kids love us. Your kids love you. It might not always seem that way, but they are crazy about us. They love it when we take the time to discover who they are. As parents, I think it's our privilege and it's our responsibility to discover how God knit together our kids and then train them according in that way. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the invitation to be your kids. I thank you for the invitation that you give us that, um, that you would extend your arms as a father to us that you would call us yours. I thank you for the way that you, uh, that you knit each one of us together. And I ask that you would help us understand that better, that we would understand our identity with you as our Father, who we are in you, and how we live that out. And I pray that you would help us as adults, as parents, um, that you would help us look at our kids through your eyes, that you would teach us how to see them, that you would make us aware, that you'd open us up to the interruptions sometimes, that we would uh, be attentive to who they are so that we could train them in your way, in their way. Father, we thank you that you are patient, that you continue to pursue us. May we be people who continue to pursue our kids.